Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God in popular spiritual warfare teachings. Last week, we were talking about the ransom theory of the atonement. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this idea of the blood of Jesus is misapplied in spiritual warfare teachings. Before we get into that, do you want to just give us a little recap of the ransom theory of the atonement? Well, the ransom theory, the problem is that the term ransom is used because it's used a couple times in the New Testament. Okay. What they mean by it. Okay. All right. And it's all uh, grounded on the idea that Satan had been handed dominion over the earth and had a legal right to whatever happens on planet earth and that somebody had to get it back. And various people, if they said the right words and believed in their own words, or there's a lot of versions of how this is taught. But if anybody goofs up, Nothing good's going to happen because Satan's over the earth. And then, according to some who teach this, Jesus had to, when he died, lay aside or lose his divinity altogether, okay? Which is, by the way, a compromise of biblical doctrine of Christ, because now we have contingent divinity, and then go into hell and wrestle with the devil and get the authority over the earth back. Okay. And then when he beat the devil as a mere man, it's Jesus being a mere man, according to their false theory, then he comes with that. And then their version of the Great Commission is Jesus handing authority to the church to go take dominion over the earth. And they various ones, they have their own version of the Matthew 28 uh, idea of the okay. great commitment, which they misinterpret. And according to this, and we lay this out in this article that I wrote back in 1998, well, the church botched it, wouldn't you know? Because right. according to their theology, anything God's trying to do is contingent on something outside of himself. Okay. Okay. So, if he wants authority over the earth, then the church has to get it. And we deal with this in this article and their interpretations are so bad and so false. And then another version of this ransom theory and then attendant other doctrines is that the reason we don't have authority over the earth like like the way they say we should is that we lost things, the church lost miracles, uh, speaking in tongues, apostles and prophets, uh, all these various things. And then church history is a long process of getting back, some say, what the church lost. Okay. And so then they have this uh, scheme of church history where we're getting back the power that we should have had, the authority that we should have had, the miracles that we should have had, the knowledge that we should have had. And when we get all of this together, we get the great 
men of God, power of God, authority of God, we're going to take it back. Wow. All right. We're going to take back what the dummies in church history lost. And wow. there's just so many versions of this. Now, this article written in 98 is citing people more from my era when I was younger, but the doctrine hasn't gone away. So I notice here Francis Frangipane, Larry Lee, um, Ed Silvoso, uh, Kenneth Copeland. I, I cite these people. Copeland's still around. Yeah, I, some but, of those some of those names are still around. Yeah, and then there's a new version of it, and new many new versions um, linked to some sort of hyperpiety. Somehow everything depends on us. Right. And, and we keep getting it wrong. But somebody more pious, have, knowing more secrets, has a hotline to heaven, can get it all done. They're the answer. And their books sell just millions of books. But so be it. Heresy is always sold. But why not go back to the scripture and learn what God actually said and believe the promises of God and learn that way rather than reading somebody's book that's full of false doctrine. Right. And that's what we're doing here today. We want to take you back to the word of God. Let's get our categories right. Let's get our theology straight. And all of this will make sense. Well, let me quote here uh, Larry Lee, who I remember when his books were real popular. So I quote him here. Quote, the number one thing, says Larry Lee, the devil cannot do is penetrate the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has already broken the power of the devil, and it is a force, a power, an entity in this universe available to every child of God for deliverance and some salvation from every situation, circumstance, or sin. Larry Lee. Wow. So the blood of Jesus is a force? A force and an entity. Wow. In the universe that you can tap into. Now, okay. what does the Bible say about the blood atonement? It says, and this is previewed in the Old Testament, by the way, and we talked about that in our last uh, broadcast. Right. And that was, that was, you know, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the the Day of Atonement, the preview in Genesis 22. Mm -hmm. I have the Exodus verse right here, Exodus 12, verse okay. 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Okay. It doesn't say it's a force. It says it's a sign. Well, yeah, it's a covenant sign that God gave that attended the promises that he would bring them out of Egypt. Right. And the, the uh, how would you say, the judging angel, actually Yahweh, mm -hmm. comes to kill the firstborn of Egypt to get Pharaoh to let him go. Right. But if they sacrificed according to the 
how it was laid out for the family, the lamb, the blood, and so on. He said, I'll pass over you. So what are we being saved from? The wrath of God against wickedness and sin. And this is a preview of many more things that will happen that are all pointing forward to Christ and what he did in the New Testament. Okay. Okay. So God brought them out of Egypt, brought them to himself, brought them to Sinai, spoke to Moses, gave them the law, told them the various things they needed to do, all of which were pointing forward. Right. And Hebrews talks about this. To the true lamb of God. Every other lamb was out blemish comparing lambs, but it's pointing forward to the sinless son of God. Okay. Okay. So when Jesus's blood was shed once for all, and Hebrews says once for all, it's not some utterance. It's not some entity. It's not some force in the universe. It's what God did by sending his son, and it was literal blood of Jesus shed once for all and to appease God's wrath against sin. Yes. Okay. And so our issue isn't the devil, but God's wrath against sin. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the false teachers have humans and the devil trying to get control over the universe. Okay. With God pretty much on the sideline, depending on which one of them you talk to. Some of them say God turned all authority over to the earth. He doesn't have any. That wow. would be Kenneth Copeland. But some are less radical. But when it says in Revelation, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. What does that mean? What blood of the lamb are they talking about? An entity, a force, a metaphysical object you can get and say or invoke? No. Their sins were forgiven. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. They weren't trusting in anything but the once for all shed blood of Jesus that takes away sins. Right. In Ephesians 2, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right. That This is talking about the atonement and not some metaphysical abstract thing out there, not some force out there. Exactly. It's the entire work of atonement. You know, I, I may have mentioned this, um, but over the years, it's amazing what all I've heard about and seen. People used to shout the blood, the blood at uh, when there was a deliverance session going on and manifestations happening. And what they would do was whatever got the biggest reaction from whoever was going through the deliverance, they okay. assumed that was proof that what they were doing was working. Okay. Oh. So the better show the demons could put on, the more convinced you would be that you were doing the right thing. Right. It's just like uh, these false teachers who uh, cite Satan 
cited in one of the Gospels, all the authority has been handed over to me. I can give it to whoever I want. And Jesus said, you will worship the Lord God. He pointed to God as the true creator and source. He didn't uh, say, well, I guess you're right. I, you have all the authority. And then they, these false teachers say, well, Jesus had, knew a better way to get back. Go down to hell, fight with Satan. No, you can't cite Satan or <laughs> demons speaking through their victims to get your theology. No, demons are not a, a credible source for truth. And neither is Satan. No. So when, when Jesus, uh, again, sometime we should cover those temptations. Maybe we have in one of our podcasts somewhere, but the temptations of Jesus were mirrored things that were issues during the wilderness wandering. Yeah. Every time he cited scripture because not that the words were going to scare away Satan, but he showed us that God has promised and we overcome temptation by believing the promises of God and worshiping God and believing the word of God. Right. Yes. But they think utterances scare Satan. You know, yeah. Satan might be willing to let you think that for a while, but he's not actually scared. Well, see, I in that article I wrote that probably been read more times than any article I've ever written, issue 78, I talk about a protection racket. Okay. And when people get into this version of spiritual warfare, um, they're getting manifestations that may or may not be from demons, by the way. Uh, we we can't see the spirit realm. Okay? okay. In some cases they are, but whatever the case, whether a certain manifestation may or may not be from Satan, without an authoritative, infallible prophet to tell us that we don't actually know. But whatever it is, the answer is to believe God and trust Him through Jesus Christ, and move on. Right. And walk by faith. And I tell people, and I've been telling them for 30 years, ignore manifestations. You don't learn anything from them. Believe the promises of God. Trust God. Don't go by symptoms, feelings, fears. Go by what God said and keep trusting God and walking by faith. Amen. And God cannot lie. Believe his word. And ultimately, the issue is eternal life. Those overcomers, what did they do? They, did they gain control over the earth? No. They, were, they overcame the accuser. Their relationship with God was secure. And even if they were martyred, they loved not their lives unto death. Satan didn't win if they were martyred. Because this life is very, very short. Right. Yes. And they have eternal life. And so yep. there's a lot to learn from just believing the Bible for what it says. But every one of these false teachers, dear uh, listeners, every one of them cites scripture. Yes, that is true. And they say things that seem plausible, but it doesn't matter if it seems plausible. We've said this often. Please learn this. It's so important. 
the author, the Holy Spirit author of Scripture determines the meaning, not the reader. Yes. So some clever reader, like Larry Lee says, the blood uh, is available uh, for every situation or circumstance that uh, because it's uh, some entity, he calls it an entity in this universe. Is that how the Bible describes the blood of Jesus? No, it's not. I would advise everyone to really learn the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Because when the book of Hebrews was written, according to all evidence, the temple was still standing. The priestly offerings were still being offered. They were still having the Day of Atonement. And they had all of the pageantry that was ordained at that time before Jesus came and fulfilled it all. And the question in Hebrews was, are you going to trust Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God, who you cannot see, who isn't speaking other than through Scripture, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and the blood that was shed once for all that you cannot see, or are you going to go down to the temple on the Day of Atonement and watch what happens and see the high priest and his pageantry go in, go behind the curtain, make the offering, come back out, and then do that. But the author of Hebrews says, but that had to be done again and again and again and again. Always. Okay. And so that's proof it doesn't take away sin. Right. But the blood of Jesus Christ, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus Christ was shed once for all. Yeah. And he proved that his blood was efficacious to remove sins through his resurrection and his appearances. And the, all of his promises are proven to be valid and trustworthy because of who he is. He ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of God. And Amen. so do we believe that? Well, evidently the false teachers don't because they've written so many books, post-millennialism. One book was out there, Held in the Heavens Until. Oh, no. And that means Jesus is stuck in heaven until the church takes control over the earth and invites him back. Oh, wow. That should just be shocking. And so then we have, what do we have? Well, we have utterances. We got secrets. We got great men and women of God who can control Satan or tell us how to get victory. We can maybe uh, stave off death till we're up to 120 years old, which rarely, remember it said Genesis? Yeah. 120. Yep. Nobody lives past that. Very few right. make it to 100. The majority don't make 90. And so they think, well, if you're healthy and wealthy and you're feeling great, and you make it all the way to 95. Who needs eternity? What are they thinking wow. about? Just that's just focusing on this fleeting life here. Well, it's not, not thinking of eternity. Yeah, I know. What did you <laughs> say? Even if a person has abundance, his life doesn't consist of the things he possesses. How many parables talk about this? Many, yeah. Yeah, the man, the rich man, he has his barns and 
well, you fool. Today, your life's required of you. Now who's going to own all this? Yeah. And the earth and all is in it. Eventually, it'll be burned burned up and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. But here's, uh, dear ones, do you believe everything that God said that what's more important than anything in this world is to have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that his blood has taken away your sins because God has accepted it, substitutionary atonement, and it was shed once for all, and Satan's accusations will not hold any ground or water. Why? Because God has accepted the blood of his only begotten son as payment for sins for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews 9.14, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Right. And it's continual. It isn't an entity. What is another passage just comes to mind. We walk in the light. He is in the light. The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sins. That's right. And so the penalty was paid once for all. Our consciences are being cleansed. Yes, there's moral guidance and there. We have the status of being saints. Okay. Okay. And God is giving us the means for victory, but it's not complete till the resurrection. That's right. And even you know, what comes after the verse you just read, the first John 1 7. If you read yeah. eight and nine, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. We are saved. We are forgiven. We have been made new. And the Holy Spirit is at work in us, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Very good. Thank you for finding and citing it. Let me address something that's a question. Let me. Let's at least finish this little section here. Okay. I want to answer something that I hear often. After I cite Larry Lee about this, uh, the blood of Jesus is an entity we can use to, uh, for whatever it is we need, uh, spiritual warfare, whatever. Uh, let me cite what I said about this in this article. This makes the blood of Jesus out to be a metaphysical entity that has magical powers against demons like an amulet rather than the price that was paid to God for our sins. Wow. And I, say, I stand by, I wrote that in 1998. I stand by that statement. I believe it's biblical. Yes. That's hey, all things. You judge for yourself. Look it up in the scripture. Look up some of these verses. But there's a question I want to talk about before we end this session. Okay. Here's the question. Uh, and I got an email a while back about this, and I've gotten them over the years. Are we saints or are we sinners? So somebody, sometimes there's a song, and I like the song, I'm Just a Sinner Saved by Grace. Yeah. Um, well, they're saying you should never sing that song because then you're confessing that you're a sinner. And now that you're saved, you're not a sinner, you're a saint. Okay. So here's the question. Uh, well, maybe this will generate some comments, but the Bible 
uh, does call us saints if we believe in Christ. Yes. Paul addressed the saints in various cities that he wrote to. Okay. But the passages, Jessica, that you just read would say that if we say we have no sin, we lie. The truth isn't in us. Right. And the passage that I cited there that you found in First John, the blood yeah. of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin. So what's the truth of the matter? Well, the truth is positionally in Christ, we're saints. Yes. Holy ones is what the Greek would indicate. Okay. But if we say we're sinless now, that's not true either. Yeah. It's not, it's not right. Because no. then we, do we need the resurrection or not? Yes, we do. Do we need ultimately to be perfected? Yes. And there's an issue of over-realized eschatology. Right now I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians, and we'll deal with that a lot. Right now I'm in chapter 1. Okay. We need to get this right. So it's not wrong to call yourself a saint if you believe in Christ. And it's not wrong to call yourself a sinner saved by grace. All you're trying to do is give honor to God who saved you, not utter the negative confession. Right. Okay. That's not the same as people who don't really know forgiveness of sins. Uh, for instance, in Roman Catholicism, where there's all of these horrible, horrible things that people have gone through through the centuries, and they never do have any assurance. Right. So we have assurance. We are saints, and we want to continually be more like Jesus Christ who saved us, and we want to honor him, and we want to participate by faith in the means of grace laid out in Scripture. So it's not wrong to say you're a saint, and it's not wrong to say you're a sinner saved by grace, and it's not wrong to say that you're part of the priesthood of every believer. It's all true. But don't try to push everything in the here and now and make everything dependent on us because then a lot of bad things happen. Keep trusting Christ and believing in him. And we'll talk more about this as we go on. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, if you want to click on contact, you can send us a message. We love to hear from you. We want to remind you to stand firm with one spirit and one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. 